Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, unwanted pets and relatives, it's Mr. Palumbo. And on the mailbag today, we've got something from my friend Ryan McGee. Good old Ryan McGee. You know, let me just stop right there. Ryan has got to be 41, 42, and he'll probably text me later and correct me. And I have known Ryan, what, since we were 13, 14? Ryan and I went on our first concert together. The year was 1994. So think of the bands that were hot back in 1994. Ryan McGee and I went to our first Stone Temple Pilots concert. And it was awesome. It was at the Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. You know, and I'd like to say another thing uh, before I get to Ryan's question. Ryan and I, uh, you know, I guess the miracle of Facebook, we've been able to stay in touch all these years. Uh, Ryan and I don't really, we come from vastly different backgrounds. Uh, We have many different uh, viewpoints. We have many different uh, political philosophies. And yet here we are. Two grown adults able to maintain a friendship even though we don't agree on everything. So it's possible, boys and girls. It is possible. We can put friendship and decency and respect. We can put all those things above politics. And we got to learn how to do it again. So anyway, Mr. Ryan, he says, maybe you could talk about how a bill gets passed nowadays And maybe, what is the filibuster? Okay, so I want to remind everybody on these mailbags, these are going to be more opinion-based. Now I'm going to share, obviously, information, but there might be more personal commentary also involved. Okay, so let's go with, uh, I like how uh, Ryan says, how are laws passed, quote, nowadays, unquote. And I think that is a, a very important uh, distinction in his question nowadays. So just a brief, really brief rundown on how a law is passed. Now, okay, there's two houses of Congress, right? You got the Senate, you got the House. Now, somebody in either house can offer a bill, okay? Except when it comes with taxes and revenues, that has to generate in the House, And uh, the president can also, you know, push an agenda and he can now he technically cannot offer a bill. But what he'll do is him and his staff will put things together and then they'll find a they'll find an ally in either the House or the Senate. And then the House and Senate will offer that bill on the president's behalf. Now, when a bill is offered, Um, It can be now, again, playing politics, say you're a Republican today and uh, you're in the minority in both houses. If you're in the minority in both houses, your bill is probably not going to see the light of day. It gets put into a stack, never to be heard of again. The majority party gets to decide which uh, things are going to be debated, which laws are going to be debated. And so uh, if you're in the minority you're probably not going to see anything happen to your bill. Okay, but say your bill gets taken up, and I'm really trying to go fast here because I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on this, but say your bill gets taken up. So now 
there's a debate time, okay? And in the House, there'll be a set time where you can um, you can debate. You know, most people get like seven minutes, ten minutes, and uh, people get to debate the merits of the bill. Um, if it passes, it goes to the respective other house. So if it ha- you know, if, if a bill starts in the Senate and it passes, then it goes to the House, and vice versa. There's also a process of uh, adding to the bill, amending the bill, offering amendments to the bill. And this is where it gets really kind of nasty sometimes because this is where the bill, the original bill, can be added on to um, and kind of uh, turned into some Frankenstein monster that it was never intended to be. For example, and I'm going to talk about this in a a little more detail, but for example, say the bill is, you know... uh, uh, Setting the federal highway, you know, the highway, the speed limit, okay, the speed limit on national highways, and uh, you want to raise it to 80 miles an hour. Well, that bill, some, some other senator or some other congressman can add an amendment to that bill that says, uh, and I want to fund uh, free uh, car seats, free child car seats for people that are poor. Or someone can say, someone from another state can say, I want to add an amendment that funds a water project in my district. Or someone else could say, I want money for, you know, uh, I want money for re-education of sensitivity training and cultural diversity for schools. Now, can anybody tell me what that has to do with the speed limit of a highway, of a federal highway? Can anybody tell me that? And, and this is what happens with our, our lawmaking system today. The founders intended one bill be about one thing, like literally one thing. So you want to tax liquor like they used to do back in the old days, uh, sin tax. You want to raise a sin tax. Well, that would be the one thing your bill talks about. Or you want to raise funds for some federal project that is going to benefit everyone, not just your little district but a federal project that is going to help everyone. Well, that bill should be about that one thing. And that's not the case today. Take the recent stimulus uh, bill that was just signed by President Biden, the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan Act. Just a very basic breakdown of this $1.9 trillion bill. covid Right, so the funds for COVID relief is 123 billion. Agriculture is 16 billion. Education is 176 billion. Small business get 59 billion. Health gets 105 billion. Transportation gets 56 billion. The stimulus check, which is 1,400 per person, is going to be 410 billion. There's something called expanded tax credits, 143 billion. Extended unemployment programs, $246 billion. Now, these are all just the, the, the umbrella categories. There's probably hundreds and hundreds of little tiny programs within each one of these categories. And you could make an argument about, hey, this is for stimulus. This is for, you know, the businesses that have been, you know, closed. This is for people who have lost their jobs. This is for getting the vaccines out there. Okay, you could make an argument for that. But for all of this money, all of this money, we need all of this money. Now, we know, if you follow my podcast, what is the one thing that is true about government? 
it is inherently inefficient. So that means all of this money is not going to be used appropriately. All of this money is not going to be efficiently distributed and utilized efficiently. That We know that to be true. That is just something we know. How much of this is going to be wasted? I'd also like to take this time to mention that, you know, once a bill is on the floor ready for passage, lawmakers are supposed to read it. They're supposed to have uh, intimate knowledge of the ins and outs of what is being passed. And we know today they're doing less and less of that. According to GovernmentTrackInsider.com, they write, How fast can you read 2,223 pages? Can you do it in only 18 hours? That would mean 124 pages per hour for 18 hours without taking a break with complete comprehension. So if everybody's paying attention and following along so far, we no longer have one bill with one topic, and lawmakers don't even read these bills anymore. Okay? So just just want to throw that out there. So anyway, it goes to the House, it passes the House, it goes to the Senate, it passes the Senate. If there's not a lot of differences between the two, then it goes to the President for signature. That is how a law is passed. All right, so let's talk about the filibuster. I actually learned something uh, new today, so I appreciate it, Ryan, coming up with this uh, question for me because I learned something myself today And when I was researching the filibuster. The filibuster comes from a Dutch word that means pirate. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And basically, the reason why it's kind of derived from the word pirate is because you're, quote, hijacking the legislative process, unquote. Another thing I learned was uh, it's really kind of a quirk in the Senate rules. It wasn't really never, uh, it wasn't really never. See what happens when I just kind of stream a consciousness here? I talk like a weirdo. Well, it wasn't really never, see? Sorry, my country was showing. Anyway, um, yeah, so it was never intended to be a Senate thing. So check this out. Aaron Burr, who you guys might know that name, he's the guy that shot Alexander Hamilton. He was president of the Senate, and when the Senate was looking over their rule book, they got rid of the part that would, um, I guess, essentially put a cap on debate. They got rid of that part. I think it was called closing the previous question. So they got rid of this closing the previous question. And because of that, there is no limit to debate in the Senate. Now, a filibuster used to be for legislation and nominations. But I think back in the 2010 or somewhere around there when Harry Reid was the majority leader and they couldn't get any judge nominations through the Senate, the Senate is in charge of the judge nominations, they couldn't get any judges through the Senate because of the filibuster rule. So they got rid of that. So now, with a mere 51 votes, you can appoint judges. This is why uh, under President Trump's four years, he had a record number of judges. Now, that, that's just because they got rid of that rule. That's really nothing he did or the Republicans did. It was because they got rid of that hurdle, that filibuster hurdle, that uh, made it difficult for judges to be appointed. So I'm assuming with Biden, he'll get his record number of judges as well. 
So there's two concepts to the filibuster. There's this idea of there's no limit to how long one senator can speak, and he can try to speak as long as he wants to derail or sabotage the legislative process. This has happened between uh, Republicans did this with Obamacare, uh, Democrats did this with trying to stop uh, the Voting Rights Act and trying to stop desegregation. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this uh, podcast. I really don't, don't know if a filibuster has ever worked. I mean, I don't know if someone can look that up, but it seems to me it's just political theater and it's obstruction. And uh, it never really, the people that filibuster never really seem to, um, I think uh, Senator Rand Paul filibustered the Patriot Act, um, but, but again, it passed. So I think these filibusters really don't do much because they end up passing whatever legislation is intended to pass anyway. And the other part of the filibuster is this uh, vote hurdle. Okay, so the vote hurdle used to be 67 senators. So if you wanted to pass legislation or if you wanted to appoint a judge, you needed 67 senators. Well, they dropped that down to 60. So in order to pass major legislation, you need 60 senators. Now, judges, you only need 41. And now they're talking about getting rid of the uh, 60 senator hurdle for everything. So everything in the um, Senate will pass with a 51 majority vote. All right, here's where it gets super cool and interesting. At least I think it's interesting for political scientists. Okay, the, most scholars believe the reason why the filibuster hangs around is because whoever's in the minority knows that eventually they'll be in the majority. So they really don't want to get rid of the filibuster because that's their one tool, that's their one weapon they have to try to uh, sabotage the other side's legislative agenda. And this is what I believed. I mean, I believe this is what I learned in, in college. This is what I read in the books. This is how I always understood the filibuster was a minority rights protection, right? Um, it, it saved the, the minority from the, quote, tyranny of the majority. If you think about it, should legislation that's going to affect everyone pass with 51% of the vote? Think about that. Shouldn't you have a higher threshold for major legislation that's going to change the country? I think so. I mean, I'm for the filibuster. Even if, it's, even if the filibuster is not even supposed to be there, I think it is a great tool to stop the process. I'm a very uh, big proponent of the government slowing down. I love all the obstacles in government. Maybe we'll do a podcast in that. I know people that aren't really versed in civics. They think, well, our government never gets anything done and the Congress doesn't ever, they never pass anything and they're so slow. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that they're slow. I'm so glad that they have to, there's all these barriers that they have to go through. Because you know why? Every barrier, every process, every deliberate uh, obstacle makes them slow down and say, is this necessary? Every law that is passed infringes on rights some way or another. You guys, the more laws, the less freedom. Let me give you an example of this. Um, I remember New Zealand, a couple years ago, New Zealand had a Muslim attack or a terrorist attack, Muslim radicals, 
and within days because they don't have uh, lots of checks and balances. It's a parliamentary, top-down, unitary government over there. And within days, they confiscated weapons. No deliberation. No questioning whether this should be done or not, right? They, the government, within days, within days, guys, went in there and outlawed firearms and restricted uh, firearms. Now, some of you guys might be for that. Oh, well, I don't like guns. Okay. Pick something you like. Pick something you like. Think of something you really hold dear, and do you really want the government to come in within days and take it away from you? No due process, no checks and balances, no deliberation. So in my opinion, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, I think the filibuster is a, uh, is a essential tool to stop the majority from, you know, the tyranny of the majority, which is in the writings of the framers and the founders. Think about this. That stimulus bill that we just talked about, the $1.9 trillion, right? Not one Republican voted for it. Now, we can sit here back and forth, and Republicans are hypocrites because they passed their giant, you know, uh, stimulus bill. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. That's just politics. But this bill is humongous, and what is it going to do to our society? What's it going to do to the value of our money? What's it going to do to the national debt? You know, uh, you know, there's rumors that a lot of this money is just going to be a slush fund for the Democrats, and they're going to bail out the blue states that have ginormous uh, deficits, right? My point is, if something this big passes, it should have a majority of the country behind it. You should have Republican votes on this if it's so important, just like you should have Democrat votes. Yeah, well, Mr. Palumbo, the Democrats are a bunch of leftist communists. Okay, well... That's the other half of the country. That's the other half of the country that we have to appeal to. So maybe we need those 60, we need that 60 senator threshold to make sure we have some kind of bipartisanship. I guess what I'm saying in closing is I I appreciate the filibuster probably because I'm not a big fan of direct democracy. I'm not a big fan of big legislation, big movements in culture and in society and policy and foreign policy. I'm not a big proponent of big events being decided by 51% of the vote. You know, I criticized Brexit, uh, not because I don't think uh, England or Great Britain, rather, I don't think they should not leave the European Union, but there, that is a huge thing that is a i mean that's economy that's a that's their whole society now is going to change based on 51% of the vote obamacare passed without one republican vote now if you want to compare that the civil rights act back in the 60s had democrat and republican votes in fact it passed because of republican votes you got to remember the dixiecrats the southern democrats voted against it That's a huge cosmic shift in society and legislation, right, and culture, right, trying to integrate the African-Americans to equality, right? That is huge. Could you imagine no Democrat voting for that or no Republican voting for that? This is where we are today, folks. We've got the entire other party not voting for major legislation, and yet... 
it still passes. So I, I, I don't know. I, I learned a lot about the filibuster. Thanks, Ryan. I, I'm kind of a proponent of it, you know, and even when my side uh, is the victim of the filibuster, I still know that at least deliberation and uh, time and obstacles are in the way from tyranny and big government, uh, you know, completely taking over our lives. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star like on Apple Podcasts. If you want to email me and contribute to the mailbag, it's professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Catch you later, folks.